Welcome to Cardboard in the Classroom. We're a podcast about using board games in the classroom to bridge a student's understanding and engagement with the purpose to richen their learning experience. This episode of Cardboard in the Classroom is brought to you by the great people at Gamesurplus.com. Hey there, this is episode seven. 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 Lucky number seven. Lucky number seven of Cardboard in the Classroom. I'm your host, Norm. And I'm Ryan. And on today's episode, we're going to discuss a particular topic that is important to both of us because it's this idea of bringing cardboards in the classroom. So the topic is how to initiate and integrate cardboard in the classroom or board games in the classroom. Yeah, because I've gotten this um, feedback from some of our colleagues that they just don't know exactly how, like how, how to get how, it started. How, how, how do we get it started? Yeah. So that's hopefully the purpose that we we cover today. How to dip your toe into the cardboard pool. What is a cardboard cohort? Well, cardboard cohorts are board gamers banded together who support and inspire one another and become colleagues and friends in the board gaming community. And with that being said, we would like to support the good, the bored, and the ugly. They have a podcast on iTunes and they record weekly live stream YouTube content. So please check them out. Welcome back. This show I am very, very fired up about this show, how to initiate and integrate board games in the classroom. Yeah, I, I kind of am excited for this one because we're going to diverge from our normal format about where we actually talk about a game or games that we've used in the classroom, but rather now, um, what's the prep work that goes into bringing, bringing, that, bringing the cardboard in the classroom, bringing those games and the experiences, and how do we prep students for this type of, that type of learning? Because... I mean, at least for me, my learning curve, I mean, I've done a lot of tries at this and I've, you know, you know, uh, oh yeah, my, encountered my, obstacles my, too. My, yeah. My first five at bats have been like swinging a miss. Yeah. <laughs> tip ball foul, <laughs> tip ball foul. Um, yeah. So at least for me, I'm, I'm going to identify the context of my student population that I teach because it's very unique compared to yours. Mm -hmm. And uh, for those people who don't know, um, I teach in another language. I'm a French immersion teacher. And for those people who aren't familiar with what that means is that all communication instruction content is delivered in the French language because Canada is a bilingual country and we have that uh, privilege, I, I would say, yeah, privilege to mm -hmm. be able to have instruction in both of our uh, national languages. So I have a subset of students um, of the school population that are French immersion students, and they're typically very high achieving, responsible, motivated, um, you know, 90 average students. I have no idea what you're talking about right now because I'm on the opposite end of the spectrum. I, as, as my, my <laughs> wife, who is also a high school teacher, uh, she says that I'm very spoiled because I have uh, I have basically, and then you could probably confirm this, I have high school students who are already training for university. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So for me, I'm, I'm at the, the situation where I can explore from a teaching methodology point of view because, um, and in this unique case with my students, I teach them from grade nine all the way to grade 12. So it's not just out of eight semesters of their education, I teach them one semester. No, I teach mm -hmm. them sometimes twice a year for their whole four-year career. So I have an excellent relationship with them, and they trust me so that when I, when I come to class and I say, okay, we're going to do this today, even if they don't know what it is, they trust that it's gone through, it's gone through my filter in, before it even gets to the classroom. Right. And with my experience, I'm a high school mathematics teacher, in English, I could not. Uh, en français, I don't speak Spanish. <laughs> um, but so I and I mainly specialize teaching um, at the grade twelve level. But I do teach at the grade nine, ten, and eleven levels, just based on whatever our schedule is. But mostly, I'm at the grade twelve, so I don't have, I don't get to build that relationship. Usually, throughout their high school career, I'll I maybe see these students maybe four at most, four out of their 
eight semesters in high school. Well, let's talk about that first idea that so, you that you talked about. Yeah, and so I'm oh, just going to backtrack. I'm just going to backtrack. Absolutely. So usually I have to, what I'm going to talk about today, I have to do semester after semester after semester. Yeah. And then if, this, if the students do return to me, they can at least bring their experience from the first time that they've experienced cardboard in the classroom and hopefully help out a little bit because I have to, well, yeah, I have to do this semester after semester. And this is the perfect transition because I'm going to pitch this straight to you. Um, we talked about creating a cardboard culture or yes. the culture in the classroom. So for me, um, it's different than you because that culture persists every year after every year. But I want to hear your take on how you introduce this culture in the classroom, how you reinforce it, how you have well, it. I come, I bring it all back to um, when I was in high school, I just remembered um, if I was like in an English class or a history class or a science class, and quite oftentimes there would be some multimedia that was brought in to, to reinforce the education. Sometimes they would bring in a movie or they would bring in a slide or social and there's something. Something different. Something different. And uh, there was some prep work that needed to be done. We weren't watching a movie for the sake of watching a movie. And burning time, yeah. So I took I take that approach semester after semester, as in, okay, folks, we're gonna I'm gonna bring in this these games to help reach our curricular outcomes. We're not playing games for the sake of playing games. This is not the day before Christmas break, and I'm just gonna <laughs> we're we're gonna do a class game of werewolf or anything like that for nine hours. No, there's got uh, so I I always have to highlight that there's the educational purpose behind it. Yes, we are gonna be playing games. Yes, that's fun. But note that there's going to be there's going to be some thinking that's going to be involved with this, so I have to pitch it that way. I always have to put that frame of mind that we're not playing a game for the sake of playing a game. There is actually there's actually purpose behind it. And in one of my notes too, I, I have that with the students. If they don't see that we've provided a purpose to this activity, then they don't find the activity right. valid. Because oh. if there's no marks. What's the point of doing it? Right. And, I, and if, I don't like if you, that. If, yeah, if you're just going to go play a game for the sake of playing a game and you have that outcome in your mind, you got you got the goal in mind of what the activity is going to do. But if there's no follow-up, if there's no assessment yeah. piece that goes along with it, then, it's, there was, then it was all for naught. There's no validity. The, the students think, oh, yeah, okay, that's fine. That was, that was, that was fun. Yeah. So we ha you have to put that context in there. And, and they, I think they have to understand before they engage in the activity that there is going to be this type of assessment and not necessarily like an exam or a quiz, but this yeah. follow-up, like you said. Yeah. So it's always the very first day of the, of the semester. That I did that this year. Very first day when we do the introductory, you get the course syllabus and everything like that. And then I introduced, I said, Kate, there is going to be times in this course where we are going to enrich the education by playing games and don't take it as a, Oh, we get free periods or anything like that. There is going to be. And so I, in my classes, I'll touch on it later is that I keep track of these games journals. Yeah. It's, we kind, do of the my, same. it's kind of like my assessment piece of, of it. So, um, what is there like when you say day one, what is, what do you see from their reaction when they, when they understand? Math? Well, I always get, I always get to see the guys are like high fives and they're like, yeah, we got, we got the sweet class and everything that we just, oh, we don't, we're not going to do anything. We're just going to play games all the time. And I'm like, ah, you guys, you guys are in for a rude awakening. Like <laughs> when we play games, yeah, it's fun. I, and, I, and I agree. The kids have a lot of fun, but there is work that you have to put into it. Now, here's the thing though with that same attitude that you see and then you you run them through your system or the culture in your classroom um they still probably have fun playing these games but do they become as engaged on the backside when you're providing you know the discussion or here's you know here's three questions to right. to tie in are they still just as engaged or all of a sudden is it like well, oh I, it's a I've, downer I've, 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 I've kind of, i've kind of got a little bit of a process that i'll explain a little bit later that kind of keeps their engagement well, give it to me now okay um let me okay now you're making me jump through all my notes here <laughs> let me just kind of go through here da, 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 da. okay so there's the prep work yeah this is the most important part if you want to introduce cardboard in the classroom, if you want to introduce something, even if it's just something different. It's not an on-the-fly thing. No. Do your homework. Yes. Do your homework. I've had a lot of math teachers come say they love what I'm doing. Um, they want to play number nine in their classroom. And I said, sweet. Do you know how to play number nine? No. Well, 
That's the first thing is that you should, you should know the rules yeah. of the game as that you're going to be. As the facilitator, you should be able to facilitate. Yeah. I said, do you know what the outcome that number nine meets? No. Well, you do your homework. You yeah. have to know what this, what do you want to get achieve? And then you have to know, well, the, the, the outset, you have to know the onset of the game. You have to know it inside and out. Yeah. Because you don't want to be sitting there and a student asks you a question. You have to flip through the rule book. You've lost that moment. You've lost yeah. that teachable you're, moment. You're, you're, losing, you're losing the momentum. You're losing the momentum. And, um, and also, if the student sees you without any kind of understanding of direction, their faith in your ability to, to mm -hmm. lead them in this activity is going to yeah. falter a little bit, I yeah. think. And so once you have the outcome in mind of what you want to do, um, I give them the, uh, the questions that I'm going to ask them ahead of time. I'm not going to ask, I'm not asking them to analyze those questions right from the beginning. I'm just going to say, okay, when we're looking at this game or we're looking at this puzzle or something like that, this is what it's going to be in the back of our minds. And this is what eventually over the course, maybe of a day or two days, you are, you're going to, here's you're, your, you're going to tell me about. Here's the questions that your, your internal monologue should be yeah. rolling as you're playing this game. Yeah. Because if, if students have that clear, that, that clear understanding of what is going to happen and how it's going to happen, uh, there's 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 little room for um like off task behavior or well like a rubric right? yeah. yeah yeah and and for those people who don't understand rubrics are kind of like um outcome scales or evaluation scales that the student can look at and go oh if i want to be very successful at this element of this activity there's there's pre-written or you know as as we had just said we've done our homework and we've created a rubric that tells the students if you want to reach this level of excellence, here are the qualities that you need to check off. If you want to reach a medium level of excellence, here mm -hmm. are the qualities that you need to check off. So I've noticed that, especially with my with my uh, um, my students, that once they see this, how to get a good mark map, they're off to the races. Mm -hmm. And probably the same on your side too. Yeah. So then comes the day. So. Semester after semester, I always have to take the day of teaching them this process of like, how do you think about thinking really kind of, it's kind of what it comes down to. Metacognition. Love it. So I start off, usually my very first day is kind of in that week where we're, it's all the students are still transitioning and stuff like that at the school. So one of my first activities is I bring in the game. It's not a board game, but it's a game. And that's the old classic, uh, I don't know if you're familiar with it, the game of Nim. I've heard of it. So the game of Nim is that old. There's a there's a pile of objects, and you either on your turn you either take one or you take two objects from the pile, and there's a lot of different variations of it. So you either win the game by being able to take the last object out of the pile, or you lose the game if you take the last. So you d ah. depend on what the old um, variation that you want to use. Yeah. Everything. So then I, I have my own little variation with this that I have things lined up in a, in a row and you can only take, if you're you can still that rule of taking one object or taking two objects, but if you take two objects, they have to be side by side. They have to actually be like physically touching each other. And that's the Sorry. Rao variant? Um, <laughs> I, I'll, I'll claim it as my very, I, I, this was shown to me at a workshop one time, uh. so I can't take it as my own, it's, but I, I show them this, this kind of way. So we play this game of NIM and what I get them to do is, okay, you and your partner or you and your group, we play two rounds. Okay. So they play two rounds. Maybe they play three rounds if they're, if they're quick enough and everything. And after everybody's done about two or three rounds, then I say, stop, everybody stop. And then I'll introduce a question. Oh, cool. And then I'll say, okay, from here on out, I want you to think about, and I think if the first question I asked for this is, is it advantageous to be the first player? Oh, nice. And then they start thinking about it. And then I say, okay, now play two or three mirror games. Keep in mind the one question I just asked you, um, is it advantageous to be the first player? So now they play it. Now they say, and then sometimes they say, well, we need more games. We can't, we can't just do it in three games. Uh, okay. And then after they do that, then I say, stop. Okay, everybody take a chance. Jot down some notes. I, I love how you turn that into a math problem. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Without stop, them knowing. Stop. Jot down some notes. Cool. Play the game some more. So then they start playing the game some more. And then, okay, then I go, stop. Second question that I want you to think about. At what point in time in the game do you know the outcome? Ooh. 
because in the very in the in the variation that I have with the game of Nim, there is there is a point where the students will know the outcome is predictable. The, the outcome will be predictable, and it all is based off of the it's the first two moves really, and then once they get to this certain point, I think if we play with I think we play with nine blocks lined up in a row. At one point in time, there's four different variations of where there's four blocks left. And based on those variations, they can predict who is going to win. So a bit of pattern recognition there. Yeah. And so that that gets them thinking about, oh, man, okay, so when we get them to this point, they start thinking about, they think about, think about, and then stop, write down, jot down your notes. And then afterwards, we do a class discussion afterwards. Hey, what did everybody see here? And then somebody was like, "Hey, I I saw that too." Or, did they di- so they're discovering systems then? Pretty much. I this is my goal is just just to get them thinking about oh, that's thinking. Awesome. So just by asking them two questions like that, like, is it advantageous to be the first player? At what point in time do you think you know you're going to win? The, just just this specific mm-hmm. variation. And so after the whole activity is done, I said, "Okay, when I bring games into the classroom, this is what's going to happen." What I find, I want to interject quickly. What I find really interesting about that is you've taken you've taken away the importance of being the winner and replaced it with f- understand the system. Mm-hmm. I like that because because now competition is not the objective of this activity. It's understanding the coding or understanding the the framework or the the right. formula. Right. To this. Yeah. So like oh, when I, I so that. when I go back. And one of our first episodes we did is I talked about um, using the game for sale yeah. in the classroom. Um, I used this format because a lot of students will think that, oh, I won the game, I won the game. But I said, well, is that is my outcome for you today to see how many times you can win this game? Or is it that I want you to understand the budgeting process and being able to do a little bit of a risk analysis? Nice. And so then they, they always make they always makes them step back a little bit and say, okay, that wasn't Mr. Rao's goal today. But that folks, that takes a lot of work to get them to that point. Well, and doing it, a little introductory activity like this NIM activity yeah. um, creates starts creating that framework. Awesome, I love how. I mean, from your math standpoint, you your objective is to have the students understand this metacognition, this idea of thinking about thinking, because in math. When you're solving problems, that's what you're doing. Oh, yeah. And oftentimes I always tell them, this drives students nuts, by the way. If you're a math teacher out there, you're listening to this. This drives students nuts. You ask them the question and you tell them the answer. And all their marks are derived from how do you get from point A to point B. Show me the journey. Drives them nuts. Oh, yeah. Drives them bonkers. But that's how most of, that's how most of my solving equations exams, they hate it. Well, I tell them what the answer is. Okay, just so people know, um, <laughs> I had let um, uh, Ryan here into a little background knowledge of me, and when I told him that I used to be a calculus major, and his jaw hit the table, and uh, I had to, uh, one time, in, in regards to this whole, it's not the f- destination that's the answer, the answer mm-hmm. is the process to that, and I, one exam, I mean, the big joke in, in, in math is, x equal, when, when in doubt, the, an, the x equals 8, right? And so a whole exam, every answer I had, X equals eight. But that out of five points, that was maybe one point. Mm-hmm. And the rest was, show me your steps, show me your steps. Mm-hmm. So all of the students were like, well, I, I know I can get a quarter of this exam, right? Yeah. So, but, the pro- but for me, like you just said, I don't care about the answer. I'll give you the answer. I want to see yeah. your brain yeah. go through those processes what, and establish yeah, that all thinking back, pattern. It all goes back to what is my goal? My goal is, okay, maybe one day the goal is I want the kids to be able to compute the answer. Yeah. Yeah, computation. That, that That's a basic math thing that we should be able to do. But most of the time, I want to see, can you, can you think, can you reason through a problem correctly? And if you hit a wall... Because there's often times up and find a new direction. Because there's it? there's often times you can arrive at the right answer by sheer luck. Yeah, by just every, by every, doing the, what I call this mom pa kettle math. Yeah. <laughs> if if I do this and then I invert that, then I switch this over to there and everything, and x is equal to eight, and I'll be like, yeah, that's the correct answer. But that's, what you did is absolutely duct tape <laughs> and chicken wire. <laughs> I love much. it. So for me, that same. I, I, I guess that same kind of um, impulse 
from my my side, which is more humanities than anything. Like I mean, uh, psychology, sociology, social studies, history. But as I said, it's all in the French language, delivered in the French language, understood in that language. So um, as a department, we have a policy that um, 20% of your mark in our class is speaking the language in class. So for me to, like you said, that culture in the classroom, I want, I'm trying to get two cultures going on. I'm trying to get a culture of, of language developing in my classroom, and I'm trying to get a culture of the idea that these games brought into the classroom are part of our learning environment. Mm. So the first one that I use is cockroach poker. Mm. Because, Beautiful. Yeah, because, I mean, um, and also there's the tie-in with psychology and behaviorism and the whole thing about, you know, observable behavior. But I'll just rewind a bit. If I want to get them to speak French in class and, and be comfortable about it and have fun with it, I think this is the perfect game because, I mean, how many of, how many of you out there have uh, bluffed your friends a little bit in regards to the legitimacy of, uh, hey, what'd you do? How, mm. You went fishing. How many fish did you catch? Uh, about a thousand. Mm-hmm. How big was it? It was about this big, right? <laughs> so you're, we're always bluffing to a certain extent. So this game, they, they I mean, it, once they understood it, and it was one mechanism, that's it one mechanism so my my idea too was don't give them too much out of the gates at once just give them one mechanism let's have fun with it let's as you said winning the game isn't my objective having them be dialoguing in french Mm -hmm. having fun and and having this game provide an environment for discussion in french right it to me it checked off checked off checked off all the all the criteria that i established for this game um now again, I can't I can't look at someone you know with a straight face anymore when they look at me and go, "It's a fly." It's like, <laughs> no, it's not. Oh, how do you know? I can tell when you're lying. I'm a teacher. <laughs> well, exactly. I this little side note. I always make this joke at, at my friends like poker nights and stuff like that and everything. They don't believe me. I never bluff. Never. Well, you're a math guy. There's no such thing as bluffing in math. No, nope. I, I ride the odds. All the way, they don't believe me that I say I never bluff. I will show my cards every single time. I do not bluff. Until I did you not bluff. set it up for that big hand at the end of the game. Well, th- then this then this has been a five year con <laughs> in, in the running because the lo- I never bluff. The long con. Yeah. So there will be that one time on a big pot that I'll just be like, mm, yep, do seven offsuit. <laughs> <laughs> That's too funny. Um, I want to quickly. Bring it back to the beginning, just in the two, um, the two words or concepts that I used, um, in initiate and integrate. So the idea for me in, with bringing this into the classroom, initiating is um, it's to cause a process to begin, right? Um, I want the students to understand that, you know, there's some teachers that use a lot of videos in their classroom. Some teachers use a, a lot of, uh, you know, um, labs. Mm-hmm. Um, from my point of view, I want them to understand that when we come into class, we'll be doing projects, activities, but stuff that's engaging and stuff that has a purpose rather than, oh, let's watch this video, he, uh, answer, fill in the blanks as the video is, mm-hmm. you know, barfing out the content and, and then tomorrow I'll give you the exam. To me, that is not my methodology. My methodology is let's get our hands dirty, you know, metaphorically. Um, into mm-hmm. a game or into something that that causes experience, causes interaction with the students, rather than just being, you know, uh, a, a, a lump of moss on a log staring at a TV mm-hmm. and putting, you know, blank answers into blank spaces. Well, exactly. Like I always go back to um, I, I my my first like year, I think my grade nine social class or something like that, and you had to memorize the dates of certain events happening and I'm like what am I what am I learning here yeah uh, I, I'm not learning anything that world war like I know world war ii was a very important time in our life but I don't need to memorize the dates that I it think happened our social our social kind of construct has changed like in the past absolutely memorization rote memorization was required mm-hmm. but now i mean dates i tell my the students ask me hey are the dates important i'm like no you can google the dates i want to know i want you to understand 
who mm. did what and why they did it and what were the consequences and, and that can whole we can we effect. recognize if it's happening nowadays yeah. it, it, do, are, do we see the same factors yeah. is, is the is the outcome predictable again yeah so to me rote memorization was a tool or a strategy that was used in the past because it was valid mm. but technology has now yeah. made it so that there's no necessity for rote memorization anymore Right. I mean, even in the even in the math classroom. I mean, I remember when I was taking math, bring a calculator to class, shun you. That was mm -hmm. like that mm -hmm. was taboo, right? But now, it's oh, yeah, part yeah. of the package. Yeah. The, the the old joke is, you're never gonna have a calculator everywhere you go. Well, now now you now, do. now 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 we now we kind of do. Now it's how an do app I make your phone? Now how do I make do with this? Well, and yeah, so. Yeah, that, that idea of, of, of yes, yes, old you can school do, methodologies. Yes, you can do three times five is 15. I yeah. know that. Do I understand what multiplication is? I do. Yeah. But do my students understand what I, what happens if I go three times five? They, they just know, well, I just have to do three times five. I'm like, well, yeah, but what are you doing? Yeah. What, For, is that, is that, that, that's five groups of three yeah. or three groups of five. I don't, it matters. Now, now we know this could be a whole other topic yeah. in, in teaching math. It's like, <laughs> do you use, you know, uh, manipulables or do you use theory or do you, but mm -hmm. let's not hit a tangent. Oh, um, no. Then the next I, idea. I, I, I would be talking till the cows come home on oh. about this one. I've got my philosophies and. I'm tangent king. <laughs> so initiate cause a process to begin integrate is the part that becomes like you said do your homework and that to me is combine um, with another so that they become a whole and to me it's that whole using the word whole it's that idea of bringing this idea into the classroom in order for the classroom to unify in in regards to the understanding of this concept we're trying to present mm -hmm. and and the other part that i love about it is um, to bring people into equal participation in a social group or classroom. Once you have a game, all of those ego levels and hierarchies and those peer group things, they fall away because now the only criteria is, as you said, solve these two questions. Yeah. Is it beneficial to be the first player? Is it, at that yeah. point, there, a, there is no, there is yeah. no class social structure in the classroom. Yeah. We are all working on the same thing. Yeah. And as a teacher, you'll know, like probably the very first time you do this, you probably want to strategically pick your groups or something like that. Just make sure that you got, yeah, you know, the two ding dongs in the corner, they can't be in a group together, <laughs> uh, at least, at least initially until you've created a, a little, little bit of a dynamic or if you kind of, you know, you got somebody who struggles socially, maybe pair them up with somebody who's very extroverted. Uh, just to kind of bring them along a little and that's bit, a, and that's a that's a skill that teachers develop as they be, be, you know become more experienced, kind of thing yeah. too. Um, what I also notice too is uh, playtime. I mean, when you have structured play, egos disappear, mm. except yes. for you know, except for the alpha gamer that is always pre prevalent. But I mean, as far as but then you introduce them in a game where alpha gaming is not a not not a yeah. not a thing like Magic Maze. Yeah, like the <laughs> like the social <laughs> that social stru structure that you said the the introverts the moment that you have something for them to focus on as a catalyst to connecting with another person, you've given them that that buffer. The game is the buffer for them integrating with that other people with the other people in their group or in their game. And I've seen this in my classroom, the really super quiet students. You give them this game, which has the attention on the game rather than on the student, and these people blossom. They just all of a sudden, I'm surprised to see, you know, the energy and and the engagement and the and the connectivity coming out of these yeah, students. Yeah, I I agree with this point because I see it semester after semester. There'll be that one student or a couple students in the in the class that, you know, what math has never been their fa favorite subject. They don't like it. I bring something like this to introduce the new learning. And they look at me and they're like, is this actually math? I'm like, yes, we're doing math right now. You don't realize it, Well, the this game, is math. That, the game you to told me about uh, Las Vegas. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's such a simple mechanism, but the, the idea of probability and how many dice are you going to use and how many dice yeah. are you going to expand and, and... Can't stop. Yeah, there's it, another it, one. It works just well. And once you have that in place, the attention is on that. And from, from the introverted student, that's great because they can still participate. 
but the spotlight isn't on them. It's on the activity. Mm-hmm. So I, I like that. I see a lot of benefit coming from that. Um, what, okay, so let's go to that next stage is once the culture is starting to get established, how do you, how do you in your math classroom start to push that? You know, it's like you, well, can, do sk- you can do skip rope forever, but yeah. at some point you're going to get bored of yeah. skip rope. Um, one thing we, I don't think we've really talked about, which is one that a lot of my, my, my staff in my department have a big fear of doing is actually, uh, teaching the game to a group of like 25 to 30 students. Oh yeah. Like how do you deliver, how, how do you, how do you manage that? Well, a couple things that you can do. Um, I'm big on when I teach the games, I'm big on the demonstration part. Yeah. Um, yes, they'll be in their groups with their th- with everything already is all set up and everything. And then I'll lead a demonstration. We have fortunate that in our schools, we have smart board technology so that they, I can easily project things onto the screen that I can move around and I can show students exactly what you're supposed to be doing at certain times. Um, or demonstrate. This is what happens in a basic turn. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So the big demonstration um, started, I, I like what you, you kind of sometimes do. Um, I've started integrating it. If I think I'm going to do it a little bit more next year is got that culture of if it's a more involved game uh, to send them the, uh, a link yeah. to maybe like a Rodney Smith or a Paul Grogan or some or the Dice Tower or somebody out there that's kind of done a little bit of a rules overview. So they kind of know what they're getting into right off the get go. And then I'll still do a demonstration, but they can kind of get do a little bit of pre-learning before the, we actually do the activity. Just to hit a quick tangent on, on what you just described, um, there is a methodology called the flipped classroom yes. out there where a lot of the teachers will say, instead of giving homework, I'm, because I can't be in their, you know, at their house if they have a question. So the, the idea of flipped classroom is, okay, at home, that's where you're going to consume the video. That's where you're going to consume the, the reading. That's when you can, and then when you come into class, that's when you ask me the questions of clarification, or that's when we do something with yeah, it. Yeah, that's where we do the hard work. Yeah, and I'm to me, that's that whole experiential learning. Yeah, go read this stuff. Go watch this stuff. But when we come to class, we're going to use this knowledge now because unless you – and this is my own personal opinion, my professional opinion. If – I mean, I can read about it. Great, I'll retain something. I can listen to it. Great, I'll retain something. I can watch it. I'll retain something. But in, if I do it, mm-hmm. I have such a deeper understanding of, of trial and error, of success, of failure, because of my experience doing this activity. Even if the activity is a failure, I have grown in my understanding of what I need to do to be successful at that activity. Right. So I love that idea of flipped classroom. Yeah, and that's all that multiple intelligences Yeah, and everything. A lot of people will identify that you just need to do something in order to actually grasp the understanding or I mean, grasp the process. We could branch out and talk about Bloom's taxonomy and you know what levels of, of, of understanding and what levels of, of thinking are involved, but I mean, that could be something else. I don't yeah. want to get we're, too we're, heavy. We're, we're bringing, when we have cardboard in the classroom, we're bringing that we're doing something to hopefully... Yeah, that that, to, that's that experiential learning. Outcome. Yeah, like when uh, I think one of the episodes when I talked about using diplomacy in the classroom to explain the alliance system, they understood it completely to the point where, as I kept having to repeat, don't take it personally because it's not personal. Yeah. Or Just because you got wanna... stabbed in the back doesn't mean you will get <laughs> repeatedly stabbed. Well, okay, then that's diplomacy. <laughs> that's diplomacy. Um, or when I, like I say, I want to develop a skill. One, like one of my things is like spatial reasoning. Uh, you're developing a skill. So how do you develop a skill? Well, you actually probably do it. Over and over, like you can read about <laughs> spatial reasoning, and that's uh, not going to make you a better yeah. better person at puzzles or anything I like that. I want to learn to shoot a three pointer, so I'm going to watch 15 hours of YouTube, but I will never throw the ball. Yes. See, that doesn't work for me. Yeah. Golf. I'm, I'm the worst. At, I can watch those guys. Go, I'm like, oh, that's so that's so easy. Yeah. The and only that, thing I'm good at with golf is tomahawking the driver after it goes into the bush. Oh yeah. The club went farther than the ball. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Hey, it had a helicopter spin to it this time. Okay, mm-hmm. um, so now we've gotten to that point where the students are um, have a habituation to this. They're, they know that there's going to be a relevant activity or cardboard inclusion into the classroom. Now it comes back to selection. 
What do you, how that, do you, how do you decide according to a class? Because for me, this takes experience. Yeah. For me, I, I mean, even when I teach traditional content, I'm not going to teach the same thing to each class because I don't have the same types of students in each class. Each student is different. So as a teacher, I have to understand the, the, the conglomerate or the, the, the group of learning styles that are prevalent mm -hmm. in my class and try to customize my lesson or right. my instructional design towards I those go students. By, I go by the, the philosophy of, okay, we got a, we got high school students here. I need to choose a game that, you know, it's not, it's not a 90 minute game. Well, first of all, yeah. we don't have 90 minute periods that we can play a game for. So it needs to be something that's accessible. It needs to be something that, you know, has a shorter play time. Like even if it's at 30 minutes, I'll still take, I'll take a few days yeah. to, to go over it where one day we'll be learning the game. Next day we'll be asking questions. Last day we'll be at maybe at, continue answering your questions, maybe have a class tournament or something like that. Yeah. Um, so it needs to be accessible. It needs to be, uh, I would say like that, that gate quote unquote gateway um, entry level where it's easy to explain, easy to play. Yeah. Um, so I like that, those ideas of the simply complex kind mm, of styles of games. Yeah. That's caps capstone. capstone game, I think games? that's their, uh, that's their tag. Yeah. yeah the like simply where, complex. Where they've come up with like a, with what's climbers. The climbers. That yeah. was one of them that, I still need to pick up oh. capstone games. I want some climbers for my classroom. <laughs> if you're listening to this. Uh, yeah. If you're the one listener we have. Um, uh, so yeah, I'm the same with you where it's, I, I'm, I'm trying, I'm starting to learn too, that it's the same way of introducing games to new gamers that you don't just drop, you know, Terra Mystica, Terra Mystica on the table and go, all right, this is your first gate. This is your gateway game. I mean, the, the, you'll see gray matter start to trickle out the person's <laughs> nose and ears kind of thing. Um, so that's the same thing with, with your, once the culture has been established, you as the teacher or us as the teachers, we need to determine, you know, what's, what, what's that next level? Because I'm, you'll, from, you'll be, you'll be at a different point because when you say, because you're building that relationship with those students over the course of yeah. years and I have to start, I have to start over again at the beginning of a semester, most often the time, because I have a brand new group of students that I've never, I haven't seen because I usually don't see them until they get to grade 11 or grade 12. Yeah. If, if we're going to use like a restaurant metaphor, you're like a drive through. Yeah. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm like that European, you sit down for an eight hour meal and it's like 15 courses. Right. Cause I've got you for a long time. Yeah. So, so quite often I'm introducing them to those, um, you're knocking out some fast food. Yeah. Like we'd play like number nine, King Domino, Cyril, for sale, for sale can't and, stop. And they're all quality games and they all have specific, at least from the teaching point of view, specific things that relate to the curriculum. Mm -hmm. I love it. Yep. <laughs> yep. I, I'm just, I, I can't agree more. I'm just thinking about, <laughs> Yeah, you're doing drive-through. I'm doing the I'm doing the the slow cooker. Um, uh, but the great the, the great thing we can do though too is that we can we supplement this with our board game club. Yeah, like we've established this board game club now, um, where we can say, hey, when we introduce games in the classroom, if you want more of this, and not a learning <laughs> format, if you want to just come and just have some fun and, playing and some not games, be evaluated. Yes, yes. Don't you don't have to ask que you don't yeah. have to answer questions when you come Wednesdays after school. The only question is, did you have fun? Yes. And some of my students were like, uh, "Is this a question on the exam?" No, <laughs> no. Did you have fun? If I go to, if I go to Wednesday after school, do I get bonus yeah. marks? If I say yes, can I go into the bonus round? It's like no, <laughs> no. Subjectivity isn't always evaluated. Well, okay, it's always evaluated. Yeah. Um, well, speaking of evaluation. How do we assess? Well, the, oh, yeah. now let's, yeah, let's talk about how do we determine if what we tried to accomplish in class was successful or not. And right. from two sides, from well, the stu used... student's understanding and from, uh, from our understanding as an instructional design point of view, did this work? Right. And over the course, like I said, when we tried to do this multiple times in the beginning, it's a swing and a miss. You, you, you introduce a game and it just did not capture that group of students' attention. That's going to happen everything and you just say okay it's not a complete waste you can still maybe answer a question or something like that yeah. but next year i'm not even going to attempt this i'm going to try something else yeah well i mean like a designer 
Ah, that game nope. didn't work. Testing. It got broken. We're play testing. Yeah, we're play testing. It got broken. It's got to go to redesign. Yeah. So, I mean, oh, yeah, with the games. Like that whole process of me, let them play the game, stop the class, ask a question. That that came with experience. Oh, and, that, and And this year, I saw the flow. The students saw the flow. It actually, it, this year with that group of students, it actually worked. And the one thing, too, that we've talked about, that, but we haven't really, like, said out loud is routine Mm -hmm. the students at least from my experience well they're teenagers they love routine they don't like unexpected they like you know even even from you know when when we're ill or something and a sub comes in they don't like that disruption no right where's my teacher right so if you can create with within this culture this routine of when the game's First of all, there's a, you know we'll take time for instruction, then we'll show you a play around, and then we'll get going. But we will stop and start several mm-hmm. times just to evaluate if we know what's going on and if we know what we're trying to see in this activity. Right. Yeah. Um, oh, I had something I was going to go with that. Continue. Okay. So, um, how do we determine if that's from, where we're going? Yeah, from our point of view, if it w- if it worked in class, so I'll let you take over because I see your thoughts back in your eyes. Well, how I understand if it worked is was just the stu- you you can see the student engagement in it. Yeah, and you can see the when they answer my journal questions, um, the amount of effort that was put into answering the questions. Um, I know that's been a success. They're invested in the in the experience now. And even if it was just like, yes, it is advantageous to go first yeah. in the game of Nim. I got something out of them. I might have to poke and prod a little bit, but at least I got something out of them. Other than they just left the question blank. Yeah, and then, like, like the what you, the way you just said it, I got something out of them. Then you build on that success. Then yeah. the next time you try to pull a little bit more out of you know that specific student. Um, yeah, because some some students are going to give you that 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 exceptional range, that ninety percent yeah. plus grading scale, blah blah blah, and there's going to be students that are just going to give you the bare minimum, and sometimes that is okay. Yeah. You can work with that because they're giving, they're willing to give you something. Yeah, as opposed to like some students, like you say, like you do the French immersion, the top end of the top. Oh, I get a conglomerate yeah. of a whole bunch of different learners. Where and most of the time, I usually have the class in the semester where it's the old quote-unquote remedial. Um, these kids have come to me with such weak math skills that I have to build them up. I have to pretty much... You have to build them up. Uh, pretty much the old army thing. I got to break you down, and then I'm going to build you back up Yeah, type thing. And that's what I have to deal with. So bringing these games, bringing in a different style of learning. You have to break down their preconceived notion of their own learning style mm-hmm. and tell them, no, you, you, you have capacity. You have right. potential. You just have to listen Stop listening to that little voice in your head that says you, you're not capable of doing this. Yeah. So, I mean, and that comes in, like you just said, with the wisdom and the experience that you get being a classroom teacher, where you, you're able to assess that immediately. Yeah. And it all comes back to what was the thing that you want to go? Yeah. What's, what's, what's your goal for the activity? Like for me, with introducing the NIM, I want them to just think about thinking. Analyze, is it okay to be the first player? At what point in time can you win the game? Now, if I introduce a game of like can't stop... Um, is it advantageous to go first? I'll, I'll ask that question in that game quite, quite oftentimes it's, it's, it's not. And it, at what point is it not advantageous to push your luck? Well, well exactly. <laughs> Are, is, 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 According is a to you, strategy. you never bluff. I think, I think in that journal, I'm just trying to remember back correctly. I think I have it, um, given two different strategies of go advance a little bit and then stop and advance a little bit and stop rather than trying to push away farther and then stop which strategy um, would work the best. And so that actually, actually I'm getting students to kind of quote unquote play test. I'm telling the students to try these strategies and see if they work. Yeah. Because it's a game. It's yeah. And, and the experience of, Hey, if I just take a little bit of risk, the the outcome might you yeah. know so you have to have those outcomes in mind because then you can form because no two journals for my games journal are are ever the same. I don't ask the same questions because every game meets some sort of different type of outcome. Yeah, and so you just gotta have to have that, and that that's what takes a while. And for those people who we we were using this term uh, outcomes, and sometimes we'll use the term indicators in our curriculum. The way it's designed from uh, from our government is 
they have uh, already um, identified outcomes in the curriculum. So for us, it's it's kind of unique where you will just look through a curriculum and go, oh, here's an outcome. And for, for me, I'll look at the outcome and go, oh man, I know about three, four games that I can use to achieve this outcome or to check off some of these indicators of understanding this outcome. Right. So I like, I, I was I was a little reluctant to buy into this new outcomes indicators philosophy, but I like it now because it comes back to this whole idea of what question am I trying to answer? Right. And kind of leaping on that, like our outcomes are it's the broad general area of what you need to understand. Yeah. And then there's subcategories that, that we call indicators are these are things that you can do to meet that outcome. They're not, it's not an exhaustive checklist. Like yeah. say, you need to do this, 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 and this. No, it's kind of giving us an idea. It's of, a guideline. Of, of, of what we should be, what we, we should be pursuing with our students. And so when I look at my math outcomes, especially in, in the ones where I have the place, play game, puzzles and games, the, the, the outcome literally says, demonstrates an understanding of puzzles and games using spatial reasoning. Which, cool. Which, I can I can take that wherever I want. Absolutely. And, the, and then the indicators are like, play a game of Connect Four. <laughs> these oh. these are right use, when, we, when you showed me that I'm like, wow, use, these are people who have not gone to a store in a long time. Yeah. Uh, play reverse engineer a puzzle. I'm like, what is, what the hell does that even mean? Let's just print out a picture. <laughs> um, okay, so I think we're getting close to to bringing this into a. Uh, into a final kind of segment here. Um, yeah, this has been a long one. This is uh, and a good one too. I, I hope we've. I, I, I hope somebody takes away some of the things that we've kind of rambled on about today. And absolutely, if you have any questions or any ideas or any kind of, um, you know, jump in on this conversation, feel free to uh, get a hold of us on Twitter at BC Board Gamers. Um, uh, and yeah, let's just keep the conversation going because, as, as you could tell. We are quite passionate about our jobs and we're quite passionate about right. communicating success to students. And if we can do it with, with like, you know, board games or if structured I just, play. If, if, I, if I just helped one teacher out there today, yeah. just from whatever, um, that this was, this was completely worth it. Yeah. This was absolutely 100% worth it. Um, so. Cause I know there's a large community out there. Like uh, we, we follow the, um, the um, boards alive. Yeah. Um, Quentin and Aaron. Um, I really like following what they're doing with the, their board game design unit. Yeah, I was it, watching it, that in, on Twitter in, in, the, in, the, in the middle in the middle years classrooms, and that's something that I would love to try. Well, and using I know, Power Grid for talking about energy, I thought that was brilliant. Uh, so, so many things like that, and so we're drawing inspiration from them too. I'm maybe maybe they're drawing inspiration from us. I don't know. Um, but if we're reaching at least one other person, there, there's other there's other content creators out there that are doing similar things, and please branch out. Uh, let, let, let's get let's get this cohort. Yeah, let's all be uh, cardboard cohorts. Let's all let's all work together for the same same idea, which is playing more board games. You no, know, anytime you can play a game, it, that, that's a win in my book. Anytime you can play a game and learn something from it. Okay, sure. maybe yeah. <laughs> sure. Yeah, yeah. I, we got to throw that one in. Students, there. if you're listening to this, you absolutely always have to learn something. You have to learn, even when you're playing fantasy football. You have to learn <laughs> analysis of statistics and and why uh, my team always sucks. Um, I was, I was about, oh, God. don't get me started on fantasy football. <laughs> All right. So, well, that's a good segue time. So, um, I am this to me. I had so much fun talking about this topic that I think we might have to revisit this and and maybe bring in uh, some other teachers. I know that Joe well, Salen from Good, the Board, and the Ugly would definitely have some some yeah. uh, points to talk about. This is a good point too because the school year is wrapping up, so we're kind of reflecting on our thoughts from the past school year. Um, maybe we revisit it again at the very beginning of the school year. So in like two months time, yeah, we'll revisit the idea and say, Hey, what are some ideas that are floating around? Or what did we conjure up during the summertime? Yeah. Well, if we can drinks on a patio before we go on, uh, on holidays, if we could squeak in one more cardboard in the classroom, um, I think what I would like to do, because over the summer I'm going to see a game and go, Oh, that game would fit totally in this situ this situation, or that game would fit with this, um, subject matter. Um, 
that we should have a, a quick game about, oh, because right now I know that Tolkien, the, you know, the Mayan, I teach a, a unit in, in uh, ancient civilizations about the Mayan culture, and I want to play that game that you have so that I can go, hmm, this just might have a place. Um, mind maze, you mentioned mind maze. I totally Ma- want magic a magic maze. maze. <laughs> Sorry, I got mind hive. Yeah, that's it. Mind hive or the mind yeah. that's been on so many top. Uh, but uh, magic maze, because um, I teach psychology and in our unit of <laughs> behavioral psychology, I mean, mm-hmm. I mean, behaviorism is all about observing behavior. That game, I just, I laugh at, at the, I mean, I suck at that game because I'm more drawn into watching people behave and how stress and how frustration just make them act a certain way that my my daughter refuses to play that game with me yeah daddy play the game quit watching how i behave it's like i'm I'm a teacher i'm trained to do that it's a good test of your marriage too if you play with just two player with your wife i'm not i'm not even <laughs> i've done it i'm not going there yeah guilty yeah how, how was the couch that night <laughs> All right, so let's wrap this up. Uh, Thank you for listening to Cardboard in the Classroom. I'm your host, Norm. And I'm Ryan. And we will catch you later. Take care. We are Bridge City Board Gamers, and you can find us on YouTube. You can follow us on Twitter at BC Board Gamers. Our Facebook page is Saskatoon Tabletop Games Community and on Board Game Geek Guild number 3039.